Hello and welcome to the Katra Film Series Alumni Spotlight. I'm Jason Godby and my guest today, he's an award-winning filmmaker and the director uh, currently running series, The Letter for the King for Netflix, Mr. Felix Thompson. Welcome, Felix. Hey, how's it going? So how did you uh, kind of come to filmmaking? What, what is your origin story, so to speak? Um, I mean, the funny thing is, you know, I, I think um, I actually, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to uh, be a professional soccer player, as I think most uh, kids my age did. Um, but when that dream didn't pan out, uh, you kind of had to find something else. Um, no, I, you know, I, I grew up in um, a lot of different parts of the world. I was born in Australia. Um, I kind of was... Uh, you know, when I was about nine, I moved to New York. I grew up in New York, between New York and, and France. My my um, family was kind of a family of storytellers. My dad was a very political playwright. My mom was uh, was an actress. And so that was always kind of the thing that had been discussed around the family table. Uh, I think they would have loved for me not to go into this industry, for sure, um, which I think anyone whose parents have been in the arts would say, please, anything else. But, you know, I, I, I fell in love with it. Um, I remember specifically in high school, the first time we had a, uh, I had this English teacher who had us write a play. And it was the first time I think I got to see something uh, get put on its feet and have actors um, kind of take over uh, the story kind of, you as the storyteller sort of starts to disappear and the story itself takes on a life of its own. And that was a really beautiful thing for me. And when I sort of got hooked, I then went to film school and uh, did a bunch of shorts that did the festival circuit, you know, uh, Tribeca, South by London, Katra, all this kind of stuff. And then was very fortunate to get to, my, uh, to make my first feature film, um, which, uh, you know, went to Tribeca and won the Audience Award, and that was kind of the launching pad for being able to actually make a career out of it. You submitted a short. Uh, you were in Katra. Uh, in fact, I think mm -hmm. it was the first year of Katra's existence. You you had a film called The Third One this week. Um, yeah. So uh, talk a little bit about that experience and kind of tell me, you know, what you would uh, say to filmmakers who are thinking of submitting a short to Katra. The thing that I would say first is, so The Third One This Week was a film that I made after film school. Um, and I think that there is, whether you are, I think that, you know, whether you're in film school or looking to make films, um, it's really important to give yourself and set yourself very tangible goals. And after I graduated, uh, I had made a short film that, um, you know, did the festival circuit and there was this big question of like, what do you do next? And the most important thing I did, I think, for myself was to say, okay, I'm making myself a goal, which is every year. Um, I'm setting myself a goal of making one short film and uh, writing one feature film. Uh, and just having that in mind uh, meant that, you know, the next year I got to make the third one this week, um, but also meant that I was always writing features. Uh, and I think the thing that's important about that for filmmakers is like, you don't want to be coasting off that one short you made five years ago. Uh, you always want to be current. You want to be honing your craft. You want you're gonna you're gonna learn things and you're you're gonna discover things. I mean, there are things that I learned on the shorts that I made post my kind of first one that uh, taught me things that were invaluable uh, going forward into the future. So I would say that's like the first thing I would say is you know advice for filmmakers submitting to festivals is keep making shorts even if your first one is successful and if your second one is successful keep making shorts and if your third one is successful keep making shorts because they're all going to teach you something. Um, that's but as far as the, right there, yeah. that's a great point. Just cause I think a lot of people, they do that say, well, I made a short, 
and then there is it you know it's like uh it's like ions they have a half-life you know mm-hmm. and they only they only kind of last so long and and I think a lot of people don't realize in this business, you're only as good as the last thing you did. And I think that's a good point. And there is no, like, there is no magic one film that changed, that, that, that the one short film is going to change the trajectory of your career. I think that you need to, ideally, you should have a body of work uh, that when someone then reads the feature that you're ready to make, they can look at not just one short, but a handful of shorts and say, oh, I can see what this filmmaker is going to do with that kind of, with this material, because I can see what their voice is. I can see how they... Uh, approach a story, how they work with actors, you know, what their point of view is. Um, and I think that's incredibly important. After you um, did Katra, obviously you went on to make King Jack, which was your first feature, I believe. So yeah. um, kind of just uh, for people who haven't, aren't familiar, give me like the log line or the, the Hollywood uh, description of it. God, I, I don't think I've done the log line of that film in, uh, in a bit now. Um, it's ultimately the story of um, this 15-year-old kid who is the last person in the world that you would ever trust with any responsibility, ever. And it is about this one weekend where he has to look after his little cousin for two days, and it quickly becomes the best and worst weekend of their lives. Not bad. Not bad. You got some, you, you've, you've practiced, I can tell. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about kind of the process. So... Uh, it's a feature film, um, and mm. did you go through? Uh, so you you won an award at Tribeca, which is is mm. prestigious. So did you go through like uh, their institute? Did you develop it with them in their lab? Like, how, or how did it kind of come about? And how did you wind up uh, landing it? You know, through the the process through distribution. You know, to kind of uh, backtrack, like you know, a few breaths, doing all the shorts that we did on the festival circuit and what the kind of festival circuit brought us was, you know, places like Katra, Tribeca, South by, all these places that we were going, um, was not, you know, I don't think any of those places, you end up in a lot of these festivals and people have this feeling that like, oh, you have to meet that one, that one big producer who's in the room is going to change your career. And actually, I think the most important thing is not to come out of a festival with 100 business cards, but to come out of it with four people who you genuinely consider friends. Uh, and you're genuinely going to keep up with because we did our first shorts and kind of started meeting people that we liked and that we, uh, that we got along with. And that, you know, four years later when we were making King Jack, um, some of those people who, you know, were either working at the festival at the time or were, you know, uh, short filmmakers or producers who were, you know, kind of on the same level we were had ended up in a lot of different places and they were able to help us come together and make that feature, uh, you know, happen. Uh, so I think that's like a really big thing. And the big benefit of uh, festivals is like just going there and finding a tribe and finding some people you get along with that you're going to want to keep in touch with. Coming out of, obviously coming out of film school, you have a community. Um, and that was, you know, a lot of the people that was, you know, the kind of central core creative team of the feature. And we were very fortunate to uh, enter the Sundance uh, labs which were an, you know, a really amazing experience. I think, you know, I cannot recommend highly enough. Submit, if you have a script, submit to the Sundance Labs. Every year you should have a script to submit to the Sundance Labs. I mean, they are incredibly difficult to get into, but if you do get into them, um, they offer you such uh, a vast array of resources and um, they really kind of shepherd your project and take it under their wing in a way that uh, there are just so many films out there to be one of the six, one of the 10, one of the 12 that are in the writer's lab, director's lab, producing lab, 
really makes a huge difference. And they even introduced us to the financiers that we ended up, uh, or at least to a, a good chunk of the financiers that we ended up going with to help make the film uh, become a reality. You know, I keep hearing stuff, you know, I was talking to somebody recently and they're like, yeah, festivals don't really do anything for you. Um, you know, they're a waste of time, they're a waste of money. Uh, you know, distribution, you can never make money on your first, uh, on your on your feature. Uh, you know, like it's it's such a hard road and it just winds up being, you know, a $50,000 resume piece. Um, but that doesn't seem to be your experience. I mean, you know what? It, um, it wasn't, but I will say that I, I don't think that that opinion is not justified. It is a real, you are betting on yourself and you're betting big and you, it's not a, it's not always a likely gamble to pay off. I mean, there were some incredible films that we were, uh, when we were at Tribeca, there were some incredible films that we were with, uh, with some incredible filmmakers that I really loved when I saw those films. And I was like, that is a fantastic film that then, you know, didn't, nothing happened with it. And it was crazy to think that like, it is so hard to get into one of the top tier film festivals with the, with your first feature. Uh, but then it's like, you're there with 80, 60, 50 other features. Uh, and if you're not in the then of that group that got in the, you know, the able to win that audience award or win that um, best director award, like it can be a real struggle to find distribution and, and kind of get noticed. Even at a festival like Sundance, there are a lot of films that get lost. So it is, you know, it is a really hard road to tow. And I would say that you have to go into it with knowing that, like you have to, you have to just say, look, you know, um, I believe in this. I think this is a story worth telling. I think this is a powerful piece. This means something to me. I think this will mean something to others. And, you know, you're, you're putting it out there and you don't have control over the thing once you let it go. Yeah, I feel like that's, um, it's a struggle for a lot of people. You know, and I've gone through this by myself as a filmmaker. I've made several mm -hmm. shorts. I haven't really gone the festival route with them just because it's expensive. It's arduous. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, it, it takes a lot of time. And, you know, it's like you're, you're spending money on something that has virtually no return investment uh, and you're and you're not even guaranteed that you're going to get in, you know, so you can yeah. spend a lot of money on, on, you know, submitting to all these festivals. So, yeah, you're right. You do have to really believe in the film. But I do feel like there's sort of maybe there's levels to things. And, you know, you should maybe kind of look at your film or try, maybe have somebody else look at your film objectively and kind of see, yeah, you know, is this a Sundance movie? Well, maybe not. You know, maybe it's more like you can get into a local festival or something. You know, the, I think the hard part for people like me in New York City is like your local festivals are incredibly competitive. You know, right. you know right. you're, you're probably better off to, you know, submitting the, to the Sundance of Wyoming you know, mm. or, or Kansas than, you know, trying to, to get something at Big Apple Film Festival or New York or, Film Festival. Or, you know, to be honest, putting, taking that money, if you're, if you're able, you know, if you're able to look at the film honestly and say, you know, this isn't the um, best representation of who I am and the work that I can do, instead of putting all that money into festivals and promotional material and all that stuff, saying, you know what, because all that can easily add up to $1,000, $1,500, who knows, um, saying, you know what, let me take that money and put that into making another film because the, you know, it, it, it you know, there are so many people making shorts, um, you know, Sundance is getting like 10,000 a year. You really need to be putting out something that is, uh, that just kind of is undeniably good. 
that you just put in front of anybody and there's no like, you know, the sound's not finished or like it was raining that day or whatever it is. It is just undeniably good. And I think until you find that thing, it's, it's okay to have put all this work into a film and look at it and say, I could do better. And I think there's always, that's kind of the benefit of making multiple shorts and of always pushing forward is that it's the idea that you would hit a hole in one on your first, you know, your first outing is insane. You know, that's completely insane. Uh, you should allow yourself to fail um, and, and make, you know, you know, put less pressure on the first shorts, like make them exercises, you know, explore location, explore a character, two people in a room. How do you make this as contained and simple as possible? I mean, even... Uh, the third one this week, which was at Katra, which was at South by, which um, is a three minute short of uh, with essentially two, three actors, it's three minutes. It all takes place in the hospital bathroom. It costs nothing to make. Um, but it, you know, it had come on the back of a bunch of exercises where I'd learned a lot of things about storytelling and it goes to show you, you don't need to spend a ton of money on a short. You don't need a ton of resources. If the storytelling is good, if the acting is good, then it will stand out. So just keep working until you find that thing. Be less precious with the ideas. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the biggest sort of cardinal sin for young filmmakers is they're like, I'm going to spend 20 grand on this short. I'm going to spend, and you, you know, you, and you can see the, you know, the work that they put into it, but you know, that somebody should explain to people and you did it very gently, but it's like, okay, if it's your first one, it's probably not going to be that great. You know, if you're like, you know, if you're Orson Welles, that's one thing, but you know, usually your first one out of the gate is not going to Sundance, is not going to Tribeca, but you know, you can put it online, you can get some feedback and then, you know, make the next one and spend like $5 on it instead of, you know, $500,000. Like, cause I've seen some of these shorts and they're like, Oh my God, how much money did they spend on this thing? Uh, and, and I feel like there's no reason to do that unless it's a bigger thing, you know, unless it's your well, proof of concept or something. Well, there's also like, you know, I mean, the number of times I've seen shorts coming out of Sundance that were, I mean, I remember this one short that came out. I don't remember what year this was now. It was called Funnel. And it was, uh, I think it, was, it might've been shot on an iPhone. And it was one actor. The whole conceit of it was this guy on the phone to a friend. He bought this funnel that he needs to repair his car. And it's just this long walk back to his car. It takes forever. It goes through all these different places. And the writing is excellent. The performances are fantastic. But it clearly cost nothing to make but it was just undeniably good. And you know, you only get there by working a bunch of ideas. So it's like, you don't need to spend all this money on a ton of expensive material um, and upping these production values because what people are looking for in the festival circuit is they're looking for new and exciting voices. And a new and exciting voice can tell a story with an iPhone and one light. So you really wanna be working on the storytelling aspect. All of the, you know, I think the pitfall that a lot of people fall into is you fall in love with your favorite filmmakers and the people that you look up to. You know, you want to replicate that Tarantino one or, you know, you want to get a steady cam, you want to be able to do this thing. But it's like, that's not, you know, if, uh, if, if, if someone like Tarantino starting out had only, you know, uh, the smallest resources at his disposal, though the writing and the acting alone would carry those stories. It's not that, you know, the, 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 the way in which he uses the camera is this like beautiful added bonus. Uh, the material that he has at his disposal is this beautiful added bonus. But like the, you know, uh, I think sometimes you can look at a lot of French cinema like, you know, the, uh, or Belgian cinema like the Dardenne brothers 
and realize that the power of the story is in the power of the storytelling. It's not in the material you're using and the money you're spending. Yeah, a friend of mine used to say, it's not the wand, it's the wizard. You know, like it, it, that's where the magic lies. And yeah, don't don't make reservoir dogs too. <laughs> you know, don't try no, to no. don't try to don't yeah. because you you can't and you're not and you're you're just gonna frustrate yourself. Uh, and mm. I think the maybe the hardest thing to do in the and hopefully you can do it if you're making shorts is find out who you are. You know, find out yeah. what techniques you like. Find out what shots you want to do, and mm. try to craft your film that way. Because, mm. you know, uh, we don't need another Tarantino. We have one. You know, he's, yeah. he's made a bunch of great films. We don't need another Spike Lee. Those guys already exist. Mm. I mean, definitely steal from them. You know, like steal. I'm sure there's people, you, you, I don't know if you'll admit it, but there's probably people you stole from. You know, you, I, I think you start, you, you always start your, your artistic career kind of stealing from people you admire until you find your own voice. And I think that's what the early shorts really are. Um, until you start to figure out like, oh, okay, like this is how I tell a story. This is what I naturally gravitate towards. This is what I care about. So uh, moving on now, so you had directed King Jack, that got you some notoriety. And then mm -hmm. it seems that your career has followed the path of many indie filmmakers. Make a good feature film, get notoriety, direct television. Like that seems to be a thing that happens to a lot of people, which um, now like TV is like so good like especially if you want to make entertainment for adults you know uh, over the age of like 13 uh that seems to be like the thing uh so you've got this netflix series that you're currently uh, directing uh and it's called uh the letter for the king uh mm -hmm. can you kind of uh tell us first of all uh again give us like the log line for the show in case people haven't seen it and then uh you know uh, kind of how did you how did you come to it I mean, the logline for that show, it's really funny to pitch a logline for a show you didn't write. Um, I think that the, the logline's in the title. It's a, it's a kind of medieval kind of uh, Game of Thrones for younger audience. It's about a, uh, a kid in a war-torn kingdom intercepts this letter that he has to take to the king all the way across the kingdom and the future of the kind of uh, world depends on it. So very kind of, um, Someone described it as uh, 1917 in uh, medieval times. How did you wind up getting the, the gig? I mean, the funny thing is, I would actually argue that, you know, you say it seems like the path to like to uh, feature, get some notoriety and, and, and jump into TV. But again, I would say, you know, that is not the norm. I think that we have this obsession with um, studying success and we very uh, rarely study failure. And I think there are many more examples of people who had a great first film and then did nothing afterwards. And so I think that, you know, I wouldn't, I don't want to paint this as, um, you know, kind of uh, in two rows of a picture. Um, that being said, you know, I think that there is, there is a certain amount of, you know, you have to be talented, you have to be good, but you also, there is a certain amount of luck involved in anyone, in any career. And I think denying that is uh, hubris. But uh, this project in particular, I feel incredibly lucky to have gotten because I always thought, you know, if you see King Jack, it is a, um, a very intimate kind of gritty story, very personal story about, um, you know, a bunch of kids in upstate New York. And the idea that you would then say that director should work with horses and uh, a bunch of, you know, uh, and magic and, and a medieval world uh, is, uh, I don't see the link. <laughs> But fortunately, these producers saw the film and they really um, uh, and they really liked it. And I always thought, you know, my first TV thing would 
maybe be doing, you know, an episode of season four of, you know, a, a show like How to Make It in America that's like very kind of grounded and simple and real. So when this came along, I was really surprised and really excited. And I mean, the, the biggest thing I can say is I pitched the hell out of it. I, you know, did a huge pitch book. Uh, I, br- I knew that one of the big things would be you know, can you handle the scope of this thing? So I took, you know, one of the most ambitious ambitious sequences from the pilot and I got a storyboard artist and I broke it down. And I was like, this is how I would cover it because I know this is a thing that, you know, I'm going to need to prove to you guys. So, you know, when these opportunities come along, you have to be uber prepared and over prepared and really uh, just ready to uh, completely dive in on the deep end. So did a massive pitch book. Uh, met with the showrunner, the EPs, the uh, the other producers, and just had a series of meetings with them. And then just got this crazy call on a Thursday that was like, hey, man, you're flying to New Zealand on Tuesday. <laughs> like, you got the job. Wow. Um, so just because I'm I'm overly detailed about things, so when you put together this pitch book, did somebody tell you mm-hmm. to do that? Or is this something that you just did on your own as a, you know, if I want to get this job, I got to do my homework. Type. No one ever tells you how to do any of these things. I mean, you, you have uh, reps and, and managers and I, and I love my reps and they were very helpful in being like, this is what you need to prepare and this is what you should think about. Um, but yeah, no one ever really tells you or prepares you for these things. Um, and in fact, you probably do a few. I mean, I remember some of the first meetings I took when I was very young after my first short. I'm sure I completely bombed and said all the wrong Thanks. But I remember sitting in on, um, oh, I'm going to forget her name now and I feel really terrible for it because she's uh, just awesome. It was so insightful. Um, uh, she directed Jennifer's Body and Aon, and she directed Aon, she directed Aon Flux and she was talking about how she got that job. She talked about the meeting for Aon Flux and she was, you know, again, like, you know, smaller, uh, like had come from a kind of smaller world. Uh, and she was like, is this the, she asked, is her reps, is this the meeting? And they said, yes. And so she prepared a core. She told us about how she prepared this crazy document for it um, and just went in and, 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 you know, it was like incredibly long detailed. It talked about, you know, shooting in Brasilia, you know, and all these kind of things, just going into real specifics. And that always stuck with me. And I was like, okay, like I know that if I'm ever in a situation like that, uh, that's what I have to do. And that's what, that's what's not what's expected of me, but what I expect of me to do in that, in that instance. For people now, like, for, you know, do you have any advice to give people? Like, should they be creating now? Should, cause I know people just, some people just want to hide under their bed, um, and, and never come out. Um, but should people be, you know, uh, trying to make stuff now and, and what can we kind of take away from being in the situation that we're at? How can we make the most of it? I mean, you know, listen, I think that the, I think that what we're going through right now is a uh, kind of collective trauma. It's a really scary thing that um, a lot of people are dealing with in different ways and especially creative people. I think, you know, um, uh, we can feel things quite deeply. Um, and so something like this, you know, I can't tell you whether hiding in your bed or, you know, forcing yourself to write is the best thing to do for you. But um, my advice or what I think would be the best thing to do um, would be to use this time to write. Um, I think you should not say, hey, I need to come out of quarantine having written the end all be all or the next short. I actually think you should come out of quarantine saying like, let me just try and write a handful of shorts, like some five page shorts. 
let me not put the pressure on him. Let me not, you know, this doesn't have to say everything I want to say about the world. Let me just try and write a thing. And if that sounds like too much, I would say maybe try and start a new writing routine. Like you wake up in the morning and the first hour of your day, you don't look at your phone, you don't check an email, you don't do anything. You just spend the first hour of your day writing or thinking about writing, thinking about you know what the next thing might be. I think that that might be more valuable than uh, pushing yourself to write, uh, to, to, direct, to direct a thing. Um, though I think, you know, you could also use this time to be studying, you know, uh, to be understanding, um, filmmakers you like and why, and, you know, what kind of shot choices you might make in the future. But I do think that especially as create, as, as filmmakers, writing is really kind of your way in. And it is the only way in which you kind of hold your destiny in your own hands there are, it is so unlikely that a great script is going to come falling into your lap. So it is so much on you to, uh, to write something. Um, I'll actually, the, funny enough to bring it back to the third one this week. Um, the third one this week was, is a, is a three minute short, right? And the way in which, when I wrote that, the way in which I wrote that is I was actually in a writing program at the time and the te- the, the professor gave us a writing exercise called a cliche exercise. And the idea of that was you take a situation you've seen done to death a million times. Um, Someone telling someone they're fired, uh, someone telling someone they're pregnant, uh, you know, whatever it may be. And you find a way to flip it on its head just to do it in a way that's that's different in a way you've seen it before. And uh, that was the exercise. And she said, um, uh, you have five minutes. And the you have five minutes was kind of like the magic word because we all went, oh, it doesn't have to be good. We just have to try something. And I would really encourage everybody to take that approach with their writing would be to say, look, if you sit down saying that I have to write the next thing that is going to represent who I am, that is going to be this kick-ass movie, you are going to sit at the table and beat your head against the wall. You should sit down and say, listen, the world doesn't expect anything of me. Let me write something that I want to write, that I'm interested in. I don't have to make it. doesn't have to be good. Let me just try something. And in doing that, and in doing that multiple times, you know, again, five minutes. Third one this week was written in five minutes, especially for a short. You can write a short in an afternoon. So write 10 of them. And maybe one of them will be good. The idea that you would sit down and say, I'm going to write something good and you'll write something good is crazy. But, you know, think about like an artist. An artist sketches many, many things before he goes to painting. You should treat shorts and writing in the same way. Sketch out a bunch of ideas. And then one of them you'll go, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting idea. And you should run with that. I think that's a great piece of advice to leave off with. I'm going to wrap up. Uh, I'd like to thank Felix Thompson for joining us. Uh, My name is Jason Godby. I have a show called No Rest for the Weekend, where I do this sort of thing every week. So you can check that out at norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. And uh, we're on every podcast app and also on video. And uh, for the Contra Film Series, I'm Jason Godby. For uh, Felix Thompson and myself, thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.